0: Time to talk Razorbacks on Sports Time. Joining the guys is Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas to talk all things hogs and SEC. On Twitter X at Ty Sports Radio, here's Ty Richardson with Bryant and Brett. Come on, all you Razorback fans, let's stand up and call those hogs!
1: Ty Richardson joining us now from ESPN Arkansas to talk the Razorbacks, and tight it seems like the last couple of weeks we've been talking to you, some of the same points we seem to talk about every single week, the turnovers, the penalties. Arkansas kind of shook all of that against Alabama. No turnovers, only two penalties, but they still come up short against Alabama. What happened last weekend that led to an Alabama victory and another Arkansas loss? Well,
2: Brian, is a putrid first half. I mean, offensively, they were inept. With the highest order, they had those two field goals to start, and then it was just awful. So that's, I mean, when you can't do that against Alabama, and, I mean, you mentioned the turnovers, none, two penalties compared to Alabama's Ford. It was a pretty clean game, but, I mean, even clean against Alabama doesn't get it done. You have to turn it up, and uh, they just weren't able to. they did it, it just happened too late, fellas.
3: The 239 yards leads the team in rushing i think that's aj green that says it all doesn't it? you you you, you got to have a leading rusher on october 21st or tomorrow 21st with more than 239 yards don't you Ty?
2: yeah no you absolutely do brad i mean that's and it's frustrating for fans because they're wondering why aj's not getting in there more but his strength is straight line speed and in order to have a rushing attack on this offensive line, you have to break tackles at times in the backfield. And that's why DeVinion is getting the ball more and his average is down because there's more tackles for losses. But I just never would have thought, fellas, that they would be in this situation um, that they are right now, unfortunately, where it's just, uh, there's no running attack. And uh, this is, again, the worst offensive line the same thing had. You're hoping just to salvage the rest of the season, win four or five and go to a bowl game, but they've got to show you something tomorrow. Tomorrow, think of Brett, Brian, you guys have all had a friend over the years that you kept giving second chances to, and he kept on failing you or she kept on failing you. If this team fails this fan base tomorrow, they're done with them this year. They'll they'll come back next year, but they're done with them for the year.
1: I guess a good time with basketball right around the corner. Yeah, ba- ba-
3: basketball on the way does help. I think it puts more pressure on Eric Musselman for him to have to come through. Now, he usually does. Uh, two Elite 8s and a Sweet 16 the last three years. But it'll stack the pressure up on him. But Sam Pittman can't worry about what the pressure does to Eric Musselman. It's on him tomorrow. Ty, what if it were particularly ugly? What if the Razorbacks were down 17 with five minutes to go, how ugly would the crowd be?
2: Oh, there would be booze and there would be anger and the visceral social media presence would pick up even worse. I just I don't even want to imagine that, to be honest, Brett. But you don't know if Rogers is going to play. I don't think he's going to, to be honest, based on some of the stuff that I've seen. But I've been wrong plenty of times before. Right,
3: let's go uh, the other side of it. Let's say Razorbacks up 17 with five minutes to play and you're coasting to a win will the fans appreciate it or will it just be a collective sigh of relief
2: oh yeah i, I think it'll be appreciated i mean that they, they expect to win tomorrow and I, I think if they do i mean it's homecoming right you obviously went to school here you know the how many people come back into town for this sure. weekend to see friends they they show their kids hey this hey hey, hey brian jr this is where i uh, this is where my name was on the walk this is where i met your mom at this uh this attorney house or whatever i mean it's just it's fun to take your kids, nieces, nephews, grandkids, or whatever back to Fayetteville. I mean, I remember going with my grandparents, how cool it was. And uh, yeah, I, I think it would definitely be not just uh, a sigh of relief, Brett, to your question, but appreciate it too
3: tie around Little Rock. Did you ever know of the very colorful figure? She she she's she's gone now, but her name was Willie Oaks and her nickname was the Hat Lady. She had a personalized license plate, drove a big old Cadillac, rolled around Little Rock in a big old Cadillac that said Hat Lady and she was a cheerleader at the university in the 30s or 40s and she would come back for homecoming and would go out on the field and get a bigger reaction than the homecoming queen when she would get out there and call the hogs.
2: I uh Brad, I'm going to be honest, man, that uh have that been okay. a little bit, a little I got bit you. Awesome though. I just yeah. uh it, anytime you have those figures in sports that you have a, a super fan of any sort. Old Miss has one, Mississippi State has one, Arkansas has one. Florida has it, got cool. Mr. Two
3: Bits, yeah?
2: Yeah. It's it, it, it's a cool It's a cool pastime. It's a cool tradition. Um, I guess now I I, I learned something new today,
3: Brett. (laughs) Willie was great. and With my church, when I was very active in church, I would go to state Presbyterian meetings, and she was very active in her church downtown, First Presbyterian, in Little Rock. When I finally got to meet her, I mean, it it, it was like meeting Frank Brawls to meet Willie Oaks, (laughs) the hat lady. The prestige,
2: yeah, I... These he, super fans, like for all, one of ours is, is like Eddie in Clarksville. He's uh, pretty pretty known throughout the state for his yeah. radio calls and stuff like that. Cannon Sandy as well. I, I mean, there's so much passion here. I mean, there's passion, of course, in Memphis. You think about the Tigers, the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama Hubs. I mean, that's why, I mean, just sports talk in the South and experiencing Tuscaloosa. I mean, the Dix- Dixie land of Light, man, was, uh, was something, let me tell you.
3: Off the charts, I'm telling you, in 2015 when we were there, and Ole Miss was way ahead. That was about when Alabama started its comeback. During it, just kind of in our ears, not going out over the air, Richard Cross, who was down on the field, said, is the press box moving? He said, I feel the ground moving. And it was during between third and fourth quarter with Dixie Landolite. All right, so the last four weeks on the Magical Mystery Tour, you've been on Baton Rouge. Uh, Arlington against Texas A&M, Ole Miss against, uh, Oxford against Ole Miss, and Tuscaloosa against Bama. What was the best team you saw in those four teams?
2: Uh, probably Alabama still. You said best team, right? Right. Uh-huh. I, I'd probably, Yeah, I'd probably still go Alabama. But, I mean, it's close. I mean, Ole Miss defensively hounded Arkansas just like Alabama did. I mean, A&M's got a really good front line. Uh, they're just not as good offensively. Um, and I, I mean, each SEC town I got to experience. I didn't go to College Station because that game was in Dallas, but it's it's definitely unique. Uh, I had been to Oxford eight years prior to us seeing each other just uh, two weekends ago. So, but I would still get the edge to Alabama. I'm really excited for tomorrow when they take on Tennessee, and then also uh, when you have LSU come to town because that should be an electric game. And guys, I'm sorry, I'm a little stuffy. I think I've got a cold mm. from all this travel I've been going on. Right. I apologize.
3: It's it easy work. to do with all the hotel air conditioning.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, asbestos and stuff or whatever. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. yeah. All of it. We're talking to Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas. He joins us every Friday to talk Razorbacks. And, Ty, it feels like every week we, we ask you about Rocket Sanders. He didn't play last week. Uh, it's already been ruled out for this weekend against Mississippi State. He's I, not even in town. I, yeah, that's, I've, I've read reports yeah. that he's down in Texas. What What's the latest on Rocket Sanders? And, and, and what are your thoughts on, on the rest of his season uh, with the Razorbacks?
2: So he had an event this week with Walmart that he wasn't at, and it was told from a PR person to Alyssa Orange, the Big Trail Nation here, that he was getting rehab in Dallas. Chuck mentioned that he expects him to be there tomorrow. Um, when Chuck says something, I usually listen. He yeah. said that on air today. So I'm going to expect Rocket Sanders to be on the sidelines. This is a tough situation because you don't know the specifics, kind of like Nick Smith, as we talked about mm-hmm. last year. And there's so much speculation on, oh, this kid's giving up, he's quitting, uh, he's just ready to go to the NFL draft, as it was with Nick. We saw Nick come back. He didn't have the same impact I know he wanted to, but I respect him because he didn't have to come back, and he did. And I'm just wondering what is being said to rock right now behind closed doors, and then also what's actually going on. And it's, I mean, it's a kid's personal privacy, I understand it, but our minds just wander when it comes to stuff like this.
3: Yeah, it just, it just leaves us when, when, when they kind of go news blackout, then we kind of have to fill in the blanks. And and if they, unless they give us something definitive, then that's how the speculation really comes up. Ty, several weeks ago, I told you a good friend of mine, Razorback fan through and through. He said after opening week against Western Carolina, he said it's going to be an all year issue. And I told you this. He said at the end of the year, Rocket Sanders won't have 50 touches. Right now, thirty-four carries, seven receptions, forty-one touches.
2: He's right. He might be right. <laughs> he might be right. I hate that for him because we I mean, rocket and Quinshaw Judkins. I mean, they, those were yet a freshman and sophomore that took the SEC by storm last year. Were so fun to watch, and Judkins has played a little more and been better because he's he's got the football and he's a much better offensive line in Oxford than there is in Fayetteville right now. It's just a bummer for both KJ and Rocket. Rocket's not coming back. He's a running back. There's only so many trades you can put on those tires. And then for KJ, technically he still has another year to come back. If he decides to play another year of college football, guys, I'm going to go, on, go on out on a limb that I don't expect him to return to Fayetteville. I, I would expect to play somewhere else and transfer. I think Arkansas fans would be understanding that. I think it would be best for KJ at that point. I just that 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 is my thought. I could be completely wrong about that. That's But that's where I'm standing here in October on the 20th.
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think the familiarity and bred contempt, but everybody probably ready for a, a change of locale, player and and fans alike. KJ Jefferson was there in the 2019 season; he played, so he's been there, you know, parts of five college football seasons. Michael Penix uh, hadn't, hadn't been at Washington six, but has been in college. Football six and and next year for KJ Jefferson. If he found the right place to go in as a one year, you know, kind of mercenary quarterback, he could make somebody uh, a a really good ball player somewhere next year.
2: No question. I mean, I can see him ending up in the Big 12. I know people cited him going back to Fort Worth, playing with Kendall Bryles. I don't know what's I'm going to be honest, I haven't paid attention to Taylor Morris much this year, how his stats are looking, but that's always a positive. Yeah that's always a possibility for a rekindling of sorts. So you just never know. In the, in the growing changes we see within college football, the expectations that we've had for a number of years are completely gone when it comes to player uh, stability and mobility. So I can see him playing next year. I don't think he's going to get much of an NFL shot based on what happened this season. So his next best option is to throw, try to play one more year of college football and get some NIL money somewhere else. I mean, he technically he could go back to Arkansas, but I just don't see it happening this
3: next, next year. Arkansas has lost seven of the last ten against Mississippi State. That even feeds into more of the must-win aspect to tomorrow. It, Chad Morris never had a must-win game because he never got in, in, in position for a must-win. He didn't win anything. Is this the biggest must-win since late in the Bielema years?
2: I think so. I mean, Sam Pittman had five straight losses and things go against him. And I mean, there's a lot of fans that I never thought would jump off ship of him that have this, these last couple weeks. And I think that's tough for him. But at a certain point, you do it to yourself. I know that the road stretch is not anything what you want But no one's saying the same things if you beat BYU. But you lost to BYU at home. Not only did you just lose to him, you lost him at home. So that's a difficult, again, set up for him and like you said it's a huge game and uh yeah I would I would definitely argue it's, it's been the biggest one for him at least in
1: the the years. Ty what do you expect from the defense for Arkansas tomorrow against Mississippi State maybe a Mississippi State offense that that we uh have kind of forgotten about over the last couple of years with the air raid kind of more yeah. balanced um Landon Jackson had a had a tremendous game last week against Alabama and the loss what do you expect from the defense?
2: I expect them to hopefully use what they did last week and parlay. They're getting some guys back uh, at the secondary and, and Chris Bupal as well. So I don't know if Lainey Jackson can top what he did last week. Three and a half sacks, 11 tackles. He's unbelievable. Best yeah. game of his life, high school or college. But, I mean, him and Trajan Jeffco, the transfer from Missouri, have been really good this year. You just wanted to take that next step together. I don't, again, I don't think Will Rogers is going to play right. If they're quarterback, they're going to have to contain him more than they're worried about him being passing. So maybe you don't have as many sack statistics, but you can force him into some tough throws and tough situations. And hopefully Arkansas is able to do that tomorrow with another. I mean, they're they're like a top five, top six defense in the SEC. And guys, I I, I did not think I was going to say that about Travis Williams. But he's been great for this football team this year.
3: Yeah, he has been so good that if you thought just with the other kind of expected, the the probabilities, if they would have played out, uh, the record would not be what it is. The league itself, how how good is the SEC this year, in your opinion, Ty?
2: I think it's down. I mean, that's why it's still frustrating to be an Arkansas fan. And uh, Ole Miss, I mean, they're hoping Alabama drops, too, to get to the SEC championship because, I mean, that could foreseeably happen. They could lose tomorrow and lose to LSU in a couple weeks. So. I mean, it's clearly down. Uh, Georgia is not the same dominant team that we've come to know. And with losing Brock Bowers, that completely changes the dynamic of their season, especially these next few weeks. I just wonder, like, while the SEC is still down, I think that's pretty, pretty blanket statement on my part. That's, it's hard to argue. I just don't know how good the other conferences are relative. Like, when you stack them up, and I know the non-conference did not fare well for SEC teams at the beginning, but we all know that the, the teams, throughout the year, get better at the tail So the pinnacle of the SEC is still better than the pinnacle of every other conference, but it's still down probably, I would say, what, two decades? I mean, you got to go back to, to what, oh4 basically? When, yeah. I guess LSU wanted to. Maybe late 80s. It could be. I mean, you, you know this conference history better than I do, Brad, so. Maybe
3: you have to go back 40 some years. You, I, you know, I think it, it, we're not going to do this, and, and, and I don't know how I can prove this. It's just my my speculation about it. But I think if we started the season over again and everybody played, there'd be a lot of different records than what they are. I think if we played it again, things would turn out a, a lot differently for a lot of pe- people.
2: Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, think about the close games. Think about the games that Alabama's been through already this year, that they've won. And the Texas was kind of the anomaly game, but they've won some close ball games. And Arkansas, I don't think they'd lose five straight if they replayed. I think they'd get at least one of those games. So yeah, I, I, I think that's I think that's really accurate on your part, Brett. Ty, if you
1: had to pick today after, after seven weeks of play, who would be your two teams in the uh, SEC championship
2: game? Man, I, I still think you have to say Georgia, even though Missouri, uh, I've been really impressed with Eli Drinkwood, his team this year. That's going to be a tough game because they have to go two Athens. I just don't think Tennessee's passing attack is worthy of going unscathed the rest of the way. Um, they've got some uh, defensive guys that you like and they're rushing attack, but they're just, Joe Milton isn't the same as the Hooker. And then um, on the other side, I mean, you still got to say Bama, and I hate that. I really wish LSU would actually pull their heads out of your, year, year no one on defense. Maybe they did to a certain extent last week against Auburn,
0: but that offense
2: is horrible. So I'd still get the edge to Bama, but I mean, Bama's got Tennessee this week. They've got Alabama, or They've got LSU in two weeks after this game. So there's still some marquee matchups that they could falter in if, if they don't. If they play like they did against Arkansas, they'll lose on Saturday and they'll lose to LSU.
3: They, they, they will. They, they, they could lose, to, uh like you said, tomorrow to Tennessee and to LSU. And even the road game late in the year uh, on the Plains at Auburn. Ty, after Alabama lost to Texas, though, you got to give Alabama a little credit. After they lost to Texas, I thought by now they would have at least one more loss, maybe two. They don't have any. Winning is the object.
2: They do it. And I know Saban was uh, getting – Messed with earlier this week about y'all we didn't win enough, buy enough, whether it's A&M or Arkansas. You just count those those W's in the win call, baby, and give them, like you said, got to give them credit. And I hate giving Alabama credit, but I have to, because they found ways to win. It hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been in dominant fashion like in years past, but they've won. And now they're sending themselves up with, again, the clear number one seed in the SEC West and a chance to take on Georgia. Beat Kirby Smart. You know how bad Nick Saban wants to beat Kirby Smart uh, he'll never admit it publicly, Bad. but he wants to beat the dog out of him, <laughs> and uh, we'll see if it happens this year.
3: What was your favorite thing at the Bryant Museum? Your favorite tidbit, memento, artifact, favorite nuance? What 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 was it?
2: I just liked the, the synergy when I walked in. Like so, Brett, I, I we we played golf at the the golfing facility on I think about ten thirty on on Friday. So I, it had to be a quick stop for me. So I did the show at a local eatery. And I went over, went in real quick, and I like there are certain places you just feel an aura, and that's that's one of those places where you're just like connected with winning. And there's so much history within so the Alabama program and it. college football. I, I would say it's hard to pick just one. It was it's just cool to walk in and and go to the front desk and then just move on from there.
3: With the Arkansas boy, I got to tell you, my favorite is the Keith Jackson narrated video. And at the end, when he's talking about how Bear got the nickname, and he got, and he says he didn't get his dollar, but he got a nickname that would last a lifetime.
2: That's true. And I, I, mean, I watched, I watched the uh, SEC Network excerpt of him talking about uh, Pearl Harbor and Brian on his way to interview for that job at Arkansas. How yeah, he was likely to get it. I mean, there there's so much history within the conference that we have to be reminded of, and. Uh, I thought that was, again, a, just a cool memento in tying in with this conversation.
3: Ty, great to catch up with you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy homecoming at Fayetteville. We'll visit next week.
2: Thanks, Ty. Appreciate it, guys. I almost broke 100 today. I was close. so I missed it by about eight or nine strokes. You're getting closer. Getting close. Get, get good, closer, good, man. Getting closer. I just Good need to job. Go with you. I feel like I'll hit it if I go with you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we will soon. Thank Thanks, you, Ty. Ty. All
2: right.
3: See you, guys. Ty Richardson with us from ESPN Arkansas. And we got the Battle of the Bones in Birmingham tomorrow. I was talking about being that I'm going to go out and eat barbecue tonight in Alabama. Okay, Uh, all that's for second place. We know the best, and we know the best is right here in Memphis. And two of the great locations is the commissary, the new Collierville Commissary at Houston Levy and Poplar. Are the original in Germantown perfect for a big group to go watch any of these games this weekend? That Memphis-style barbecue and ribs done the authentic, slow-cooked Memphis this way begin that barbecue feast with the great appetizers like the cheese plate are the tamales or the smoked chicken wings or where the barbecue nachos were invented. That's a staple of sports everywhere now. It started with Walker Taylor and his staff in the early 80s at the commissary. If you're craving an easier way to order, text COMMISSARY to 33733. Then dig into the ribs or the shoulder, chopped or pulled on a plate, on a sandwich, all the sides, and the best desserts you can think of, like the lemon ice box pie, the banana pudding, and that strawberry cake. And for the holiday season, the holiday burger Get on the list. Get on the list now. Check it twice. Check it for Thanksgiving. Check it for Christmas. Here's how you get on it 901 754 554 or 0. Or go online to commissarybbq.com in Collierville and Germantown. Those party areas, orders to go, catering, tailgating, and always time for the holiday bird. 901-754-5540 or online at commissarybbq.com. Dot .com. Every day this hour is brought to you by Hewlett and Dunn. And we are so very honored to have Charles Hall with us. Nobody can tell that story better than he can. Charles, we love, love talking about you started working there in your teens. And now with your, with your wife, Laura, what a team y'all've made. Y'all own the place and we appreciate you so much. Tell our listeners what, just exactly what they can see on that historic square in Collierville.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, of course, you know, those of you that, have not been on Collierville Square. Uh, it is the most beautiful square. Uh, it may not be sure, as large as, as one like Oxford, uh, but it is, it is definitely uh, the most beautiful and, and quaint square around. Uh, it was awarded as the best Main Street in America uh, back a number of years ago by Parade Magazine. Wow. And uh, it has only gotten better uh, since then. Uh, so uh, come It really out, is. Visit it will it, it... be decorated for Christmas soon and and, uh, and while you're here stop into the store and and do some shopping.
3: It really does look like a movie set out there, and then when you get inside Hewlett & Dunn and you've got all the boots, you've got all the Western wear, but you have so much more. Tell our listeners about all all that they can enjoy there, like the belts, like the best Duckhead collection around, including the shirts and and the, the boots, the jackets, the caps, you've got it all.
4: Yeah, um, like I said, people think of us as as just a, a Western store, um, and and we're so much more than that, uh, so much so that I actually don't even advertise that we're a Western store anymore because the vast majority of our clothing uh, is not Western. Uh, we don't carry brands that a typical Western store carries. Uh, we carry Filson and Barber and Pendleton and Duckhead, um, so a lot of uh, really uh, high-end, well-made, old companies. Uh, that make, you know, great products, uh, that, except that, that people don't normally associate with, with a
3: boot store. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's jacket weather. It's the time it of is. year to buy one, isn't it?
4: It is. It is. We're getting fooled a little bit, uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, we got pulled yeah. into a false sense of security with all coming. And it's, <laughs> of course, it's, you know, round misses. So it will heat up on you real quick, but hopefully that'll drop back down and it'll drive people in to some, some jeans and pants and jackets and vests and things.
1: Charles, I gotta ask. I've got a buddy who has a, who has a birthday coming up early November. I've got a brother that I'm gonna have to do some shopping for Christmas around the corner. What is what is most popular in your store right now? What do you see a lot of people coming in and grabbing? Especially, uh, like you said, with the weather changing, we're getting closer to winter. Uh, what have you seen uh, flying off the shelf?
4: Well, I mean, of course, you know this time of year, uh, your cowboy boot sells you know, just pick up, you know, people put away the shorts and get out their jeans and realize their boots are worn out and they need a new pair. And so, uh, the boots are always, always a huge seller in the fall, uh, you know, by far our best seller. Um, but while they're here, like I said, they're, you know, they're, they're catching on to some of the stuff we're carrying and, and buying a lot of clothing that they did not expect, uh, to purchase when they came through, you know, they just really came for boots and they, mm-hmm. they leave with, with duckhead pants and duck head shirts and Billson shirts and, and, uh, And so they end up you know, it's kind of a trap. You know, you come in for boost,
3: and we'll get you with more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Charles Hall with us from Hewlett & Dunn. We appreciate them being a sponsor of this hour every day and for what they've done around mm-hmm. the community there on the historic square in Collierville. All right, tomorrow for all the area teams, Tigers with a big game, Mississippi State, big game, Tennessee down in Tuscaloosa, Old Miss and Auburn, homecoming in Arkansas, those hats, you've got one for – you've got every team covered, don't you, Charles?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, I did. Uh, um I may not have them all covered uh, now, but I, yeah, I had certainly all the ones uh, in this part of the world. I had Tennessee and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and uh, I do still have some, some Memphis State ones. Uh, please forgive me if I call it Memphis State, but it's always going to be Memphis State By to me. By all
1: means. And
4: I uh, and, uh, had Arkansas, but I think I think now I'll have left. Uh, I've got Memphis State and Mississippi State left. I don't think I have. Well, no, I do have some Ole Miss ones left. So, i still got uh, quite a few of you covered.
1: That's what you like to hear in business. They're flying off the shelf. But, uh, Charles, thank you so much um, for for everything you all have done and and for being with us 5 o'clock every single day. Um, And and thanks for joining us, and let's do this again soon.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Y'all come on in. Thank you, Charles. Thanks,
1: Charles. I'm serious. I've got to do some shopping. I got to head over to, to Hewitt and Dunn. I got a buddy. His birthday's on the 10th of November. I got to shop for Connor. I'm definitely gonna have to go over to to Hewitt and Dunn and uh, and get some uh, get some presents for uh, for those guys. But let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we've got to make some picks. It'll be time for our first National Bank and Trust Friday football forecast. That's next on Sports
0: Time. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Friday football forecast from First
3: National Bank and Trust, a division of First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. Real estate isn't something you purchase or develop or desire. It's something you appreciate, respect, and know. With real estate, there's no gray area. You either know it or you don't. First National Bank and Trust, a proud division of First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas. They've known it since their beginning in 1886. Clients depend on First National Bank because they know real estate. Brooks Winchester, Bill Samish, and many more can assist you in your acquisition of that hunting land farmland a construction project let first national bank and trust make your dreams a reality 775 ridge lake boulevard suite 140 in memphis 901498 5763 or the office in Collierville or online at fnbtmemphis.com. For commercial real estate, residential construction, or recreational and agriculture financing, let First National Bank and Trust help you. They're a division of First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas, where I have had an account, been a friend, and been a customer my entire life. We've talked about it all week. It gets started early tomorrow morning, just like we like it, with stuff that we like locally and nationally. And locally it starts with the Memphis Tigers, 11 o'clock on ESPN2. Memphis a a six-and-a-half point road favorite. We know what that means. Tigers should win this game. They're at UAB. And for the Battle of the Bones, and I'm glad of it, last meeting was in 20. 12, 46 to 9, Memphis Tigers win. I don't even know how they got the bones for a little while, sure. even for media days and picture taking. When you win it, you get to keep it. That's but- right never hurts to be a nice neighbor. Tigers averaging 33 points per game. UAB averaging 30 points per game. Tigers 88% in the red zone. UAB 76% in the red zone. Tigers have forced at least one turnover in 19 of the last 24 games. UAB leads this series all-time 10-5, uh, t- to 5, and they're 10-4 and 4 in their new stadium. Tomorrow in Birmingham, your pick, Brian.
1: Well, my brother's going to be at this game tomorrow. One of his friends uh, is a student at UAB, so their whole friend group is going down to that one. And I think that him and his buddies will be coming back to Memphis happy along with the Tigers, who will be coming back with the bones because I think the Tigers win this game. I think they take care of business. I'll take them minus the 6.5.
3: I'm scared of this game. Yeah, me too. I'm going to pick the Tigers to win the game, but not to cover the spread. The Tigers win somewhat of a wild one, a, ner- a, a, a nervous one. They win 31 to 27, but they don't get there with the six and the six and a half. And I don't want to hear anybody picking up, picking apart a win next week after they, they win the game. 11 o'clock. On Fox, Ohio State, four and a half over Penn State at the Horseshoe. Ohio State leads 24-14 all-time, six straight for Ohio State in this series. They played in the 1980 Fiesta Bowl. It was a Penn State win. 11 100 yards games in his Buckeye career for Marvin Harrison, Jr. Ohio State and when game day's there. 12-3 and when big noon's there. They're both there tomorrow. Penn State, 11-game win streak, all by at least four points. Drew Allar is the only FBS quarterback with 150-plus pass attempts and zero interceptions in 2023. Penn State, straight up, 24-14 over Ohio State.
1: I love it, Brett. I'm right there with you, and for me, this comes down to a couple of factors in my book. Uh, Ohio State has been pretty banged up, especially at their weapons, running back and receiver the past couple of weeks. And even if some of those players play, I don't believe they'll be 100%. Then my next thing, it comes down to quarterback play. And, and frankly, one of these quarterbacks is much better under pressure than the other quarterback. That would be Drew Ayler, who has been really, has been pretty good under pressure while Kyle McCord has really struggled under pressure. I think When pressured this year, he's completing about 30% of his passes. So if Penn State's defense that's been really good this year can put pressure on him early, it could be a long night for, or I shouldn't say night, because first thing in the morning, a long afternoon for Kyle McCord. I'm going to take Penn State. I'm going to take them straight up. A big, big win for the Nittany Lions.
3: Group lock straight up for both of us taking the Penn State Nittany Lions. We love those helmets and those uniforms that will be on display tomorrow for both sides. 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, Ty Richardson mentioned it, homecoming at Fayetteville for the Razorbacks. The Razorbacks, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Mississippi State. State winners of seven of the last ten against Arkansas. They're three-and-one in Fayetteville in that stretch Arkansas all-time in Fayetteville. Arkansas – Tenth out of 14 in the SEC in scoring. State is eighth out of 14 in the SEC. Arkansas leading rusher, 239 yards. A.J. Green, that right there, tells you a lot of the season. K.J. Jefferson, 18 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions. On the defensive side for Mississippi State, Jet Johnson, the only SEC defender averaging at least 10 or more tackles in SEC play. I think a low-scoring affair, Arkansas wins, but state covers. Arkansas wins 21-20.
1: I think uh, for their own good, Arkansas needs to cover this game tomorrow. Nothing against Mississippi State. I'm with you. I think this could be a really close competitive game. But like we were talking about with Ty earlier, uh, the fans are already a little disgruntled. If they go into that game tomorrow and it's close or a loss, uh, they're they're going to be ready for basketball season yeah. and they're going to leave football in the past. So I think they need to go win. I think they need to win big. I think they are aware of that. And so while... Uh, I have them covering maybe only by a touchdown, though. I think they could win by
3: seven points. Another loss or two, and with deer season approaching and apathy setting in, the Arkansas last game of the year in Fayetteville against Mizzou, mm-hmm. there could be more people at the Duke basketball game than at the yeah. Mizzou football game. Yeah. Tomorrow, 2.30, third Saturday in October, Alabama nine-and-a-half point favorite over Tennessee. We know what happened last year. Tennessee got the big win. They deserve to celebrate. UT only allowing 17 points per game. Allowed the, They've allowed the fewest touchdowns in SEC, only two touchdowns. In the last seven quarters. Biggest margin Tennessee's ever won by in this series was 27 twice, 1969 and 1995, when they beat Alabama and Birmingham, 41. 41- to fourteen, how big a hole does it take to bury a red elephant? Forty-one by fourteen. Last time UT and Bama didn't play was nineteen forty-three, and sadly that could end with the new scheduling. Coach Nick Saban, seventy-six and eleven in home SEC games. Bama minus nine and a half. I'm continuing my my theme, kind of locally. Bama wins, but Tennessee covers. Bama wins twenty-four to seventeen.
1: Brett, you're sneaking games in on me. This was not on my card that I received from you earlier in oh, the I'm week. Oh, sorry, Brett, but I am ready for a pick regardless. I'm gonna, I, I'm right with you. Uh, I'm gonna that take. That was late on a
3: Wednesday night. Please forgive me.
1: <laughs> I forgive you. Hey, you, you know, you might be trying. To, I'm sorry, Brett. This could be like Michigan Gate. You might know, you're trying to get <laughs> get some extra points on there, <laughs> trying to Sasquatch. sneak in a game. <laughs> um, no, no, no. But I'm gonna pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick Tennessee to cover in this one. I don't necessarily think they're gonna win the game, but nine points against this out. Alabama team, Um, as much as I respect Nick Saban and what he has done, especially for betters in recent years, uh, really his whole career, uh, I I think uh, Tennessee keeps this one close and uh, they cover the 9.5 point spread.
3: 6 o'clock on ESPN, we have all the action right here starting with me and Gary Darby at 4 o'clock on Ole Miss pregame, Ole Miss 6.5 over Auburn. It, we've we've talked about it. Ole Miss only three wins ever at, at Auburn. Peyton Thorne is Auburn's leading rusher and passer. Ole Miss one of six FBS teams with with two AP top twenty five wins. Tulane and LSU that should hold up, shouldn't it? Jackson Dart second in the SEC. And seventh in, in FBS in total offense. These two teams met in the first Liberty Bowl in Memphis wow. in 1965 after Bud Dudley moved that great game to the South. I'm, Ole Miss is going to win the game. But it's going to be like it has been. It's going to be there. Ole Miss wins twenty four twenty one. So I guess give me Auburn in the six and a half.
1: I'm going to go a little off the wall here, and and not I don't even know if I believe this one when I pick it. But I'm going to go with Ole Miss here minus the six and a half. You trying to
3: get cut out of the wheel at home, or you took Tennessee and Ole Miss? Uh, well,
1: yeah, I, I very very true. If my father's <laughs> listening, please forgive me. Um, but uh, please don't have all of my things out on the curb when I get home. Um, but I'm going to take Ole Miss in this one. I think uh, I don't think Auburn does. Really Really anything particularly well offensively. And for Lane Kiffin, I mean, going up against a former Ole Miss uh, coach, I think he wants this one. I think he wants it bad, and I think they cover the 6.5 spread.
3: Oh, I'd love to be able to hear the pregame chit-chat at midfield oh, between those two. Now remember, they met two years ago yeah, when Hugh Freeze true. was at Liberty. So we already kind of got that out of the way. And I think Hugh Freeze is really glad to get that day over mm, with yes. at Liberty. And I think everybody be ready to get to about 10 o'clock tomorrow night. My college football lock, uh, give me Oklahoma minus the 19 and a half over Central Florida. And my college football shock, all those points at home for Michigan State plus the 24 and a half against Michigan. You're lock and shop.
1: Uh, let me get to my lock and shock and just take another part of this that even gives me more faith in Ole Miss, all of the uh, Auburn higher gate uh, over the offseason with him taking that job. (laughs) We sure did, so uh, maybe I really want to hand it to him um, in that game. For my lock, I'm going to go with Iowa. I understand uh, this game could be 10-7, to to uh, the final score, but I'm going to take Iowa minus 3.5 against Minnesota. This offense just finds ways to win. They find ways to cover, and so I think even though it could be a very low scoring game, they get well, the winning minutes seven then. exactly. We want oh. we want that. But hey, honestly, more than anything, I would love for this game the total to end at like twenty or twenty one. That would be beautiful. My shock. I'm going to go with uh, Utah plus seven and a half on the road at USC. Continuing to fade USC. That defense cannot stop anybody. If you're giving me more than a touchdown, I'm just going to have to take the other team. So I'll take Utah.
3: You got it. In the NFL, noon on Fox on Sunday, Baltimore minus 3.5 over Detroit. They've only met. This would just be the seventh time all-time Baltimore leads 5-1. to one. Lamar versus Jared Goff. Give me Detroit 24-16 over Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I kind of had this one earlier with my bingo card, but I think uh, Detroit wins this one. I, I think they cover, and I think they win straight up, and I think uh, Monday morning we're going to be having some uh, serious talks about how good
3: Detroit is. Also in the noon window, also on Fox, Tampa Bay, minus 2.5 over Atlanta. Low scoring, 17-13, Tampa Bay over Atlanta. I'm going to
1: take Atlanta in this one. I think this could be a game where, where Bijan has a really big game, um, and they either win this one or keep it really, really close. I'll take Atlanta.
3: And Sunday night football seven twenty on NBC Sunday night, a great matchup. Philadelphia yeah. minus two and a half over Miami. Speaking of not playing very much, uh they first met in 9 nine six all time Miami, wow. just the sixteenth matchup between these two. Give me Miami to win thirty eight twenty eight. Uh I'm
1: gonna go the opposite way. I'm gonna go with uh Philadelphia uh at home, right? They're at home in this game, right? It's it's in Philly. You know, I didn't get that wrong, did I? I think that's right. Let's see. Yes. They're at home, so I'm going to take them at home. Miami's kind of been a different team on the road. I'm going to take the Eagles um, with kind of all this momentum they have, and I'm going I'm to take them to, uh, to win and cover this 2.5-point spread.
3: My NFL lock is Las Vegas, minus 3.5 over the Bears. And my shot, Cleveland, really tough team, plus 3.5 at Indianapolis.
1: Uh, for me, for my lock, I'm going to take the Packers minus one and a half uh, on the road against the Broncos. I just have no faith in this Broncos team. And then for my shock, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts at home against the Cleveland Browns. I think oh, this could blood. Be a, we got blood. You're there. right. You, we, we do. I think this is going to be a letdown spot for the Browns after that win against the 49ers. I think the Colts, a lot of people looking at that Anthony Richardson injury, but Gardner Minshew has, has shown that he is a very capable uh, quarterback, so I'll take the Colts.
3: That's our Friday football forecast picks brought to you by First National Bank and Trust, a proud division of First National Bank of Eastern Arkansas, now firmly in West Tennessee, stable, secure, solid customer confidence off the charts, whether it's in Eastern Arkansas or now in West Tennessee. And for any real estate need, contact them for commercial, ag, hunting, recreational. Contact them at fnbt.com or call them at 901-498-5763.
1: Well, Go ahead and get to our final break of the day. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll wrap up this week with Taco Bell Crunch
0: Time. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now, back to sports time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn, Boot and Gene Company in Collierville. Here, once again, are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dakis. Yeah. obviously crunch time. Hammer, nail, coffin. This baby is over.
3: The double steak grilled cheese burrito. So good. Double the steak with nacho cheese sauce, seasoned rice, red strips, sour cream, and the three cheese blend wrapped inside a warm flour tortilla. With even more three cheese blend grilled on the top. The double steak grilled cheese burrito. It hits the spot now at Taco Bell. And at Taco Bell, when they say they are feeding people's lives with unexpected good, they mean it. Bowl food you can't get anywhere else. Well, Brett, what I learned today,
1: uh, about an hour or so ago, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that Duke head coach John Shire has agreed to on a six-year contract extension that would carry him out through the 2028 2029 college basketball season. So, right before the start of basketball, uh, Duke has locked up um, their newer head coach a season under his belt, and it probably couldn't come at a better time because currently on a visit to Duke, number one player in the class uh, of 2024. Cooper Flag. It sounds like his recruitment will come down to Duke and UConn, but now uh, he knows for a fact. I think he knows for a fact uh, UConn's coach ain't going anywhere. But he knows for a fact now that Duke's coach ain't
3: going anywhere. Well, that's great. I guess losing a second round game to Tennessee gets you a fresh new six year deal. I guess so. How about, what's Rick, how about that? What's Rick Barnes get for beating Duke in that game? Good has Jay Billis quit crying about how physical that game was? Uh, Has he quit crying yet?
1: I don't know. I we'll have to. I we'll have to ask him. I haven't heard from him since <laughs> then. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything outside of basketball season. What I
3: what I learned is we got a good one going in the ALCS. The champs have fought back to tie it two two, and they lead two one in the bottom of the sixth. The Diamondbacks trying to make it interesting in the NLCS thriller two one over Philadelphia. Best played games are 2-1, to one, aren't they? Sure. The champs aren't going away. Unfortunately for Texas, Jordan Montgomery and Nathan avaldi can't pitch every game. Uh,
1: unfortunately, they uh, they cannot. And who would have thought uh, before the season or before the Cardinals traded Jordan Montgomery to Texas that he would be a massive part of a team that is only a couple wins away from the World Series? I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have either. What I could have done without... I don't really know. I guess I could figure out why this I couldn't do without because it's actually really good news in terms of the city of Memphis. Uh, this was tweeted out earlier today by James Larson, who covers the USFL and XFL, the spring leagues, developing multiple sources have indicated that there is a strong possibility that all eight USFL teams will good. survive the USFL XFL merger. A 12-team league could feature just four XFL teams. St. Louis, D.C., San Antonio, and Arlington would be the likeliest Organizations to survive. Now that's great news. I love that. I I want no more than this. You know this this league to survive and flourish and add teams and Memphis be a part of that. But I want some answers soon. I'm ready to to get ready and get amped up for for next year's showboat season.
3: Go go over those XFL cities again that are going to make it through. Uh,
1: well, this is just what he is hearing. This is not set in stone or anything, but what he has heard. The likeliest teams to uh, to stay from the XFL would be St. Louis. D.C., San Antonio, and Arlington.
3: Okay, two of those four were original USFL towns way back when. Really? W- Washington had Craig James, yeah. g- lured Howard Schnellenberger from the U oh, wow. to coach him, and Rick Neuheisel was the quarterback of the San Antonio Gunslingers.
1: Wow, all right. Yeah, How about a l-
3: that? A, l- a long time ago. <laughs> I could have done without this. I'm not taking a shot at him. But really, Lou Panella on a Hall of Fame list mm. for, for his managing skills? Uh, j- just say, baseball, if you win one, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame because yeah. that's what this is doing. Cito Gaston deserves it. He won two. But Lupinella won one, and he won it mostly with the team that Peter Edward Rose built. Can we even say Pete Rose around any Hall of Fame talk? Oh, that's, uh,
1: ugh, that's a good point. Piniella
3: won it in 90 with yeah. the team Pete Rose built. Wow. <laughs>
1: that's a good point by you. Where are you beaming tonight?
3: Uh, this weekend, Jordan-Hare Stadium tomorrow for me. Maybe for the last time, Auburn not on the old Miss schedule in the years ahead. Uh, could, could be a while before uh get back down here. Four o'clock pregame, six o'clock kick right here with Gary Darby. Uh, I'll start it with him at four, David Kellum, play-by-play, Harry Harrison, analyst, and John Darnell, number 4 on the sidelines.
1: Well, I'll go with uh, where I'm beaming this weekend as well. I wish I could beam to two places at once, but that seems a little tough, so I'm going to beam down to Birmingham, Alabama, Memphis versus UAB. The battle of the bones is back, and I want to take it in in all of its glory. Memphis on the road, a seven-point favorite. We'll see what kind of start we can get from UAB. It was really no start. The last couple of weeks, really all season, but when you go back to these last two home games against Boise State, you get into a seventeen nothing hole, and you really can't do anything against uh, Tulane either. So I want uh, a faster start. I would really love for the Tigers to win the coin toss and say we want the ball first and be super aggressive and get some points on the board early.
3: Tomorrow, John Rice Plumley at quarterback for Gus Malzahn. For Gus Malzahn playing against Dylan Gabriel, his old quarterback. Whoa, whoa, whoa. S- s- uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 2023, it sure right. is. And it's late on a Friday. It is. It is. (laughs) Uh, The nervous energy at Fayetteville for both sides tomorrow, for State and for Arkansas, it's must win for both. Only one can. You're
1: absolutely right. It should be a fun weekend. Let me remind you about this weekend here on Sports 56. Tomorrow we've got complete coverage of Ole Miss at Auburn. 4 p.m. is when that pregame starts and we'll have that entire game and postgame. Sunday we've got triple header: Bills at Pats, Chargers at Chiefs, Dolphins at Eagles all right here on Sports 56. So enjoy your weekend and Enjoy all of the action, and we'll talk to you again uh, Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock.